Hello and welcome back to Tate 97, a film podcast with me, your host, David Ingram. Today's episode, I'm going to be talking to you about my sort of top picks and memories and general thoughts on what happens when a TV show becomes a film or they make a film based on a TV series or characters from a TV series and why it sometimes works and why it sometimes doesn't and why no one really cared in the first place and no one needed it. And I've got a couple of case studies here today just to discuss some good examples, some average examples and some personal favourites as well. And obviously there will be bad examples, some that you guys will disagree with and agree with equally. But today we're just going to get started on this and I thought it'd be just something different to do really to be honest to compared to just a normal film review or television film review in respect to cinematic based qualities which I will touch upon in some future episodes. I've got a mini series planned just to keep you guys on the edge of your seat for something that's coming based around the cinematic nature of television series in the world of streaming. There's a little bit of a clue for you there. I did do a poll. You guys will soon see the results of that, hopefully in the new year. But let's continue with today's episode. And by the way, just a quick note, guys. If you're not following us on social media, please do. At Take97Podcast on Twitter and at Take97Podcast on Instagram. Uh, We're regularly putting stuff out there. Quizzes, polls, opinions. But anyway, getting back to the main point of this episode from the small screen through to the big screen. In some cases, I mean, some of these are British examples because obviously I'm a Brit. I know these TV shows and I will sort of cite them as the things that I understand. But like there are instances where you get film versions in American TV shows. So one particular example, regardless of whether you start off with a TV show and then they make films or whether it's a TV show based on films, then you need to sort of, you know, one way or the other, they take after each other from the both the good and the bad aspects. And, you know, so for instance, a big one to cite is Star Trek. Star Trek has got several television series in its belt, as well as several films. The difference between the various different forms, so the TV show and the films, I mean, obviously, you've got all the different variations of Star Trek in the TV series, format and I mean I'm not a Trekkie by trade but I just think you know some TV series and films it goes a bit too far but others people would disagree and say that oh it's the building of the worlds the world building is great and I can just see that in sometime in the future they might do it potentially like Game of Thrones I can see them doing like a a film trilogy maybe potentially to accompany the TV series unless they just want to keep it in an episodic format rather than episodic feature film format in the way that the Harry Potter franchise or Lord of the Rings, for instance, which did that particularly well, uh, have done in the past where it's episodic, but it's in feature film format. And the same goes for like the Star Wars saga, Indiana Jones, that kind of thing. The main point about this is, though, is that really are the film adaptations of these beloved TV shows in some people's eyes are they any better than the original source material? Do they do a better job in terms of the way they're shot? You know, because obviously with a film, you get more money. You know, the budget's usually bigger than the TV series budget. So you naturally get a little bit more of a 
cinematic flair for these kind of things but other times i think it, it you know they keep the style the same and they try and maintain that similarity to the original source material so it all links up together and in other cases they go try and be cinematic and go all the way over the top but it doesn't quite work so like i mentioned star trek i think is quite a standard example of where you look at both tv versions and film versions it's a pretty much a constant and obviously I'm not going to get into it too much because I'm not a Trekkie but it does divide fans which ones are better which aren't and for me I'm just going to start off with because I'm a big massive Doctor Who fan uh, the Doctor Who being the British science fiction series about a time traveler who known as a time lord or time lady uh, and they are a traveler in space and time and the, in, in a police box based on the 1960s police boxes that you get in Britain, in London, or across the UK back in the 50s, 60s time, and that is the disguise for this bigger on the inside spaceship, and they go for all these adventures in space and time. Anybody who knows even a little bit about Doctor Who, you know the premise, but that's the general gist of it. The show started in 1963. It is currently, obviously, its original run ended in 1989. Had a little bit of a peak for a television movie. Television movie sort of funded by the americans in 1996 and then obviously the revival from 2005 to the present day has continued i but the thing i'd like to sort of cite here is obviously whilst there was a tv movie and it's classed as a like it's always labeled by everybody as a tv movie doctor who really has only ever had two cinematic treatments and to me like even though they're not i mean some people class them as canon to the actual original timeline of doctor who Others just say that they're a spin-off in another universe and it's just a fun take on the concept of Doctor Who. But I, I genuinely think that these films are probably, they are at the moment the closest thing that we will ever get to cinematic Doctor Who. Doctor Who in the cinema. And that would be the two films, so the 1965 Doctor Who and the Daleks, and then the 1966 film Dalek Invasion of Earth 2150 AD. Now, both of these films, the stories of which take inspiration from the two original 1960s films. So whilst one was released in 1965, Doctor Who and the Daleks, that was actually based on Doctor Who, the serial The Daleks, from the original series, the actual second story, The Daleks, in 1964-63 time. We then get the second one, which is based on another serial called Dalek Invasion of Earth, which it was released in 1964, middle of 1964 there. There was rumours that there was going to be a third one based on The Chase, which was released in, on which was on TV in 1965, and it was going to follow the same premise of adapting the small screen stuff, but making it more grand and epic. Now, I enjoyed these films because not only is it, you know, it's the 1960s, but it's in colour as well. It brings a story that if you're a big Doctor Who fan, you know and love the original two serials. But both of these films bring a lot of colour to something that most people are more familiar with in black and white. And Doctor Who and the Daleks and Dalek Invasion of Earth, they both star Peter Cushing as the Doctor, or as Doctor Who. He's actually credited as Doctor Who, and his last name being Who. <laughs> it's a bit of a strange thing, because obviously it was a big, even though it's a British film, everything about it is very British in its sensibility, even though the scale of it is very Hollywood, then. 
you get these big bright colorful daleks ever the sets are just amazing and really you know for the time futuristic because of the 60s you can only go so far but it's the sort of look and aesthetic that every doctor who fan wanted classic doctor who and still wants classic doctor who in their mind's eye to look like because that is the scale that you expect from these science fiction tales of adventures on alien planets and even invasions of your home world and such with alien invasions like they do in like other science fiction films that we see so famous examples from the 60s themselves so you've got the day the earth stood still all the other even claude rains the invisible man i'm literally going through the bits that are mentioned in the rocky horror picture show opening song now but i don't care uh, <laughs> but with the thing with doctor who and the dalek the both of them they capitalize on this concept and this construction of dalek mania dalek mania really hit the uk in a big way in the 1960s for anyone who's done their research you will understand that very much like the beatles the daleks were the next biggest thing which is sort of hit fandom as it were or at least the early stages of it when people were obsessed with doctor who always asking when the daleks would come back and that's why they keep coming back and they're always popped in somehow because everybody just loves them they can do be a really basic prototype of a character and they would still be turning up at the right points just to do the same old extermination but peter cushing i think does a brilliant job even though he's i i think peter cushing actually in fact embodies everything that we need and wanted in a doctor at like any time doesn't matter whether you like the classic series or the new series it doesn't matter peter cushing embodies that spirit of the doctor the doctor is a traveler who you know he's a scientist at heart this you know in this version he's a human he's just experimenting in time travel and he goes to alien worlds and goes back and forth in time whereas obviously he's an omnipotent alien with a big history and big back catalogue of memories and experiences whereas this guy is just a regular human by the looks of it who's just happened to come up with time travel and the concepts of this time machine the tardis and i just think peter cushing embodies that lovely warmth that william hartnell does convey in the earlier stories before he got a little bit too tired before he rested at the end of the show and i think that is the sort of the beauty of it you have these moments on screen these tender moments with you know the little girl um i forget what her name is now uh the, but the character of susan the granddaughter who's actually depicted as a much younger child compared to the teenager version which we see played by caroline ford in the 1960s tv serials we get that loving grandfather granddaughter relationship between these two people and i think peter cushing he's a very he was a very fine actor and he portrayed this sort of all-knowing very smart very clever man yet at the heart of it he was a family man and i think that's what's kind of lost in doctor who sometimes is that the character of the doctor is meant to be in a way family orientated and yes we get hints of it here and there are different actors actresses they take on the role with their own gusto but i think peter cushing really stood the testament and elevated that emotion to a cinematic level and it matches then the action that we see so for instance in dalek invasion of earth the big massive one of my highlights is the explosion uh, so we got these daleks surrounding this shed as it were then and they blow it up and the way they do it is like sort of like gas smoke comes out of the guns and then the little shed in the middle explodes and 
basically to exterminate this guy that's on the run from them. And I think that it's just next level. It's the sort of stuff that you get in the new series, so 2005 onwards. You get big explosions, you get big, exciting action set pieces. But I think because it was made in the 60s, and it's all, you know, it's Technicolor, that kind of thing, it just has that extra, I don't know, difference then to it. And that's the thing I'd like to sort of move on to in the next phase is, with Doctor Who, it was made on a very cheap budget, very limited budget and the movies really do even though the you know they're contemporary of the time so both 1960s black and white serials and 1960s color films the difference is shocking like some of the sets in the original run of doctor who aren't bad but then there are some which are terrible whereas the films really elevate that level of production value and production quality whereas other things keep the quality pretty much the same. And I'm going to sort of skip forward. There's a couple of examples I could give right here. Like, yeah, I, I mean, in terms of budgetary restraints, like, I feel like the production quality of the sets and the costumes and the props in Doctor Who was drastic. Whereas you look at something like The Inbetweeners, for instance, as a British TV show, or even um, Mrs. Brown's Boys. I know both of these aren't exactly texts that people are very big fans of. Some people like them, some people loathe them. Yeah, it doesn't matter, but just for the purpose of example here, the in-betweeners, the only real difference in terms of the style then of between the TV series, which ran for three series, and it had spawned two films. The films basically take advantage of the budget in respect to, oh, let's take the characters we know and love and put them into a foreign land, into a place that is outside of their normal restraints. Like, obviously, in the original series, The Inbetweeners, Jay, Will, Neil, and Simon, they go to a campsite, they go to Fort Park, they go to all these different places, you know, out and about, away from their school and away from their hometown. But it's the fact that with the bu the budget for it, they are able to explore the world. And it's not high art cinema. Uh, and, and obviously it's very questionable, especially with nowadays in terms of the stereotypes it perpetrates and the thematics it portrays and everything. I never thought I'd ever use the word thematics talking about the in-betweeners, but this is where we are. But they, you know, in terms of the male sexist side of things, in terms of, you know, lad culture then lad culture that's what i'll label it with and you get this sense of it's oh we got the money to do more things let's just put them abroad and that's what they do in both films and in my opinion obviously lots of people and friends that i know really dislike the second one the second one they go to australia at, whereas the first one they go i think it's greece i think if i remember or malaga or some somewhere abroad that's laddish where they go on a lad's holiday i, I feel like because Australia seems so out of range from these characters and their own, in, you know, their own world then. I do think that that's where things go a bit wrong when things go too far, where you get characters in a foreign land experiencing things but doing just them in a new place, in a different part of the world. It's fine taking them out of their hometown and putting them somewhere else and seeing how they react. But I think when you do it twice, it kind of ruins it. And that's the sort of the curse of a sequel when you do the same trick twice, as it were. And also the fact that the story in the second one kind of rewrites half of the stuff that happened in the first one, where the first one was perfectly fine. But other cases, so, you know, Doctor Who, it was the sets and the props and costumes. Everything looked better. 
it was in color for instance you know it looked better whereas the in-betweeners they just used a different location everything was pretty much the same in terms of the camera setup and everything like that is still very much the in-betweeners you knew it was that and the same could be said in a way for the likes of Downton Abbey, the period drama written by Julian Fellows, which ran from 2010 to 2015 on the British broadcasting network ITV. They have released a film, so Downton Abbey, the movie, in 2019. This film in particular, I don't know, because watching it, other than the aspect ratio, it looks very much like an episode of Downton Abbey, but extended to an hour and a half to two hours or whatever, however long it is. And then obviously we've got a second one, a sequel coming along, which is going to be hopefully released as of the recording of this, it's going to be released in 2022, Downton Abbey, A New Era. And I think the reason, I don't know, in that respect, you've got, they had serialized storytelling, but with cinematic visuals, everything looked really sharp and high end then, shall we say. You've got the likes of Endeavor, the Inspector Morse prequel, And any detective drama on ITV these days has that edgy sort of cinematic look to it. So when you take something like Downton Abbey, all it is is just telling you a series of stories that you would probably see across the likes of maybe three or four episodes condensed into one solid fluid narrative. And it doesn't make it bad or anything. It just sort of means that you've clumped together two two to three episodes in one solid narrative. And I don't think that's always a bad thing. If you're a fan of the show, then you'll enjoy it. But at the same time, it means you can just sit and enjoy it in one sitting. And in the way of Downton Abbey, if you didn't know the characters, you could get away with watching it on its own. That's the other thing as well. I think the Inbetweeners movies, you can watch them, you know, both of them back to back without knowing the series too much. But obviously, if you don't know the series, you won't know any of the sort of in-jokes and you won't get to know the characters as much. The same applies to Downton Abbey. Whereas the Doctor Who films from the 1960s stand alone. Like, yes, they are based on two serials from the original show, but none of, like, the relationships between some of the ac- the characters is different. Like, for instance, the character of Barbara in the first one, she's the granddaughter of the Doctor as well, whereas she was just a school teacher in the original. So really, you can watch the Doctor Who movies. You know, you can even watch one of them and not really really see the other one it doesn't really matter so if you watch Dalek Invasion of Earth first it doesn't actually matter that you didn't watch the other one first because there's a different lineup I mean the young girl Roberta Tovey I want to say her name is the one who plays Susan she is present in both films she's a key role and so as much as the doctor is but then you got the likes of Bernard Cribbins who is a side character just as much as the um well barbara's friend then male friend ian i think i think his name's ian in the uh in doctor who and the daleks i think because which is strange because they're meant to be friends in the original serial but in this one yeah they're lovers which is a bit strange if you watch the original series but you there is that sense of detachment from both the tv and the film so you know whereas obviously downton abbey both the the film that came out in 2019 and this new one which carries on and continues the story from the film it's a direct continuation of the tv series the in-betweeners is in a way a direct continuation of the series you can watch them on their own but if you watch the series your experience will be more enriched whereas if you watch the doctor who films you get that sense of "Mm, it's just a one-off it's a different interpretation it's a bit like a remake of say 
I don't I know I use this example probably way too much but like if you watch an adaptation of say The Great Gatsby the 1970s version it's very much the same thing really you watch the new version you watch the old version they don't carry on they're not connected or anything it's just two different interpretations of it and the same thing can be said about TV versus film of a TV show source material or even reversing it so when a TV show um, is actually imitating a film rather than a film becoming the central story that we watch, becoming the main product that we watch after seeing a TV show. This idea of continuation, I mean, I watched as part of a British cinema module that I did when I was at uni, I watched various different um, films and learned about different types, of, you know, the arty ones, the blockbuster ones, the techniques used in both but one of them in particular when i'm watching british cinema was a film called in the loop released in 2009 now this film can be directly placed in between the original run of the bbc4 series the thick of it now the thick of it is it's very much if anyone knows the thick of it it's a political satire and it stars peter capaldi who Again, back to Doctor Who, if anyone knows him, he did portray the 12th incarnation of the Doctor. But more importantly, he played Malcolm Tucker, the foul-mouthed politician, spin-doctor person, in the 2005-2012 to BBC4 series, The Thick of It. And the film In The Loop, it main, again, it maintains, it's like the in-betweeners, and like Downton Abbey, the style of filming is exactly the same. The documentary style is all very similar. But the only thing is it's telling you in a much more in-depth story. That, uh, and again, it sort of brings a, the best of both worlds. It's a continuation of the series. It fits right into the series. But then on the other hand, it takes the whole in-betweeners side of things. Oh, let's go to another country. You've got the budget. Let's go abroad. Uh, and in this case, obviously, it's America, it's Washington, and it's international relations between the UK government and the American government. And that's basically how they utilise their small screen to big screen move, is incorporating a bigger, larger-than-life location, but also maintaining that original standard of quality that was set up in the original tv series the documentary mockumentary style of filmmaking you know handheld camera and stuff like that similar thing can be said for the in-betweeners downton abbey in that case it's it's high-end television anyway so it'd be shot like that anyway it's just a case of an extended narrative in one go other things that i like i could sort of bring mention as well uh, we've got the likes of TV shows, so sitcoms, which, you know, you're used to, like, the classic British sitcoms with a laughter track. So you get, like, the likes of Dad's Army, the 1968 to 1977 BBC sitcom. Um, there was actually, during that period, there is, you can watch, again, it's a bit like the thick of it, there's the 1971 film, which has all the same cast members, you know, very, you know, that's the other thing as well. Most of the time, when films from this, you know based on TV shows come from the small screen and then step up to the big leagues, they will still retain the main characters and cast members in the films. They won't often recast them. So stuff like the Peter Cushing Doctor Who movies, they very much were a marketing ploy because the UK and the world seem to be gripped by Dalek mania. So, and also the other thing as well is if some cast members can't make it to filming schedules for that they wouldn't be able to actually 
do the original source material. So, for instance, they were doing the Doctor Who films at the same time as the TV series, and I think they did approach William Hartnell and the original cast, but because of their hectic schedules, they didn't manage to fit them in that way. I would have been interesting to see actual William Hartnell in colour and with a big budget. I, I, I think he would have loved that. Based on things and accounts that other people have said about him, I would have loved to have seen, you know him give that twinkle and that sparkle that he has for the Doctor in his original portrayal of him on a big screen performance. I would have really loved to have seen that, but sadly not. But in the case of Dad's Army, they retained all the original cast members and characters, and they just, you know, it was a one-off story, but for like an hour and a half, which fitted in perfectly with the one-off story of the week format, as it were, between the series. Uh, so between each serial that they put on in the original run and then you've got the likes of obviously the remake then the 2016 remake which recasts everybody you've got new current actors then so there's still older characters portraying these beloved individuals that everybody knows from the tv show and it's in a way bringing it to a new audience but i think in that respect i think when it's good as a marketing ploy but at the same time i don't in my opinion, personally, it's nicer when you retain the original cast members. When someone says, oh, all your favourite characters are back on the big screen or something like that. I'd love I love to see the original characters. The Doctor Who films are a bit different because I feel like they stand so much aside from the others and the TV serials that I can accept that. But I feel like with the Dad's Army one, I enjoyed the 2016 film, but the, the same, it's not quite the same. It doesn't have the same effect as the TV show. And, you know, it's a new thing for a new generation to watch and enjoy. So that's just my personal opinion. In terms of the continuation, though, and the linkage to the t the original TV source material, we do have a very keen example which I wanted to highlight, and I will hopefully do a dedicated review of this sometime soon, and that is Twin Peaks, the David Lynch, Mark Frost-created TV show, which ran for two seasons from 1990 to 1991, and then it ran for a limited series in 2017, thanks to Showtime. But between there, there was the sequel-prequel feature film from 1992, Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me, which basically, lots of people didn't like it at the time. There's rumours that it was booed at Cannes and everything like that, but then some people say it wasn't. The thing is with the Twin Peaks ones is that Mark Frost and David Lynch's work are so comprehensive then anyone who's obsessed with that show will look into every detail and want to link it up and i think it's a famous example of how a film adaptation of tv source material doesn't quite match up bit for bit with the original tv narrative but it still kind of works at the same time so twin peaks we have the mystery of laura palmer it mainly happens for the majority of season one and a little bit of season two 1992's fire walk with me it kind of adds an extra layer of narrative which could easily have been popped into the middle of the show itself as well as some bits from the aftermath of season two's finale and also just extra bits as well extra fun lynchian bits so you know david bowie for instance and the mystery of philip jeffries that entire you know and a little bit of like events that took place before the series of twin peaks before laura palmer was found wrapped up in plastic i i do think that it's a strange one because you know you either love twin peaks or you hate it i love it and i know a couple of people friends of mine that do love it as well 
and then you got the 2017 series which is a continuation but like something completely different and new but again still continues the narrative that lynch set out along with mark frost in the original 1990 to 1991 run of the series my opinion my sort of closing statement here is that if you do a film version of a tv show if you're going to recast the main actors then you need to really sort of make it clear the film is just a bit of fun and it's a one-off and it's separate from the universe that the tv show set up but i think nine times out of ten and lots of people want to do this these days anyway the world they want to continue the world they want to make it into something more and that's why you know you get stuff like the marvel cinematic universe they've got the marvel tv shows now that they're working in reverse they started off with films for the mcu and now they're adding some short little limited series on disney plus to the remit of the marvel cinematic universe it's now becoming the marvel cinematic televisual universe that's not a term but i'm going to coin that and if anybody uses that that is mine <laughs> no but seriously marvel have sort of done that and taken to that and they'll integrate these new series like wandavision loki winter soldier all of that stuff they'll integrate it back into their new films that are coming out in the coming months and years I, I do think that, my opinion, if you do a big screen adaptation of a film, of a TV series, then utilise the original cast as and when you can and continue the narrative. Or if you're going to not continue the narrative and make it a one-off, at least hint towards that universe that was created. Acknowledge that TV world and the work of the original people behind the writers the directors everybody that worked on those because without them you wouldn't have the film that's coming to it and then you just get bad examples where oh let's not use cardboard sets let's use normal like actual like real life locations like mrs brown's boys the movie where they literally use real locations and they try and you know make it next level stuff and it i don't know it's not the same. <laughs> it's just I I don't. It seemed like that movie was made for the sake of it. Let's let's be honest. It was like it was the natural stage for them. Oh, everybody seems to be watching it. Let's make a big screen movie. I think that's what happens sometimes as well. It really desaturates the film market when you make big screen adaptations of TV shows. It takes a really good show to be made into a film. For instance, I think it's El Camo, I want to say, from Breaking Bad. Now, that worked really well, but at the same time, others failed miserably. Now, just to sort of close on this, basically, I it would like to ask you guys, let us know on the Take 97 Instagram and Twitter, do you have any TV shows that you feel like you'd love to see become big screen adaptations? I have a couple, so I love a bit of... So there's a British TV comedy called Gavin and Stacey in the UK. Some of you will know it, some of you won't. Um, Gavin and Stacey, I would love to see a big screen adaptation of that because, you know, I know I've just sort of moaned about, like, or going from give them the budget and they'll go abroad. You know, I genuinely would love to see a half and half split with that one. I want to see Gavin and Stacey movie format. I want to see it in Barry and Essex, but I also really want to see them go on, like, a Gavin and Stacey road trip. I really want to because you can imagine Bryn with his little sat-nav and Nessa and Neil and, you know, all the current storylines that are going on when you get to the end of the series. You just... I, I think it could be so funny, I think, with the talent that you've got. I know James Corden's in everything and he seems to be in every film now, which is so irritating, but it's the one film I think nowadays I'd actually not mind seeing James Corden in. 
nowadays is a Gavin and Stacey movie. I mean, I'm surprised he hasn't done it, to be honest with you, because he's in everything else, so he might as well just be in something else that he created. But other ones that I'd like to see, I mean... I love Stranger Things, but Stranger, you know, Stranger Things is very cinematic in the way it's shot already, and I feel like because they're hour-long, in some cases just over an hour-long episodes, I feel like we already get the cinematic treatment for those. We just get lots of mini-movies. I was talking to my girlfriend the other day. She recommended, she was like, I want to see an Orange is the New Black movie or a sex education movie. That's an interesting thing that I'd like to maybe point out. That'll be a good one to do maybe potentially i mean i feel with netflix because they make mini movies even though they're serialized out of every episode because of how high quality they look i don't think they'd ever do it but it's something to put on the wish list uh, and the other thing i want to see an actual another doctor who movie but a continuation of the series i want to see a movie that is part of the show itself like i know we've got the specials like the 50th anniversary special and in a way an adventure in space and time was like a f little tv film I want to see an actual cinematic Doctor Who on the big screen. And I don't mean an anniversary special either. I mean a proper bona fide film in the respects of, you know, the way they've done it with Downton Abbey. I'd like to see that. But that's just my piece as a as a fan of these kind of things. Let me know, please, of, of what you think would be a good film adaptation. So which TV series would you choose to make into a film or to have a film version made of it? What would you like to see? Or is there anything you'd like to see of the reverse? We'll put a poll out there and ask you guys on our social media and see what you guys think. But um, for now, that's a wrap on Take 97 of Film Podcast, the small screen to big screen discussion edition of the podcast. And I look forward to seeing you on another episode of Take 97. I can't wait to share with you some new reviews that are coming up as well for some brand new films and also some great cracking guest spots as well. Tune in for those soon, guys. Thank you very much. See you later.